0: I want to talk to you today um, for the next few minutes. I'm not going to preach a long time, so don't um, uh, don't don't worry about that. We'll be out of here before three or four o'clock anyway. Um, seriously, we'll we'll be finished by twelve thirty. I, I can pretty well promise you that. Uh, sort of in the form of a, a question, I guess, um, to receive or to refuse. To receive or to refuse. When I was a little boy, I, I remember my mama saying to me one time. I, I used to come dragging home anything that anybody gave me from anywhere, and my, my mother used to say, "She said, son, I declare you—you—you'll take anything anybody will give you." And she said, "You know, sometimes you—you you might ought to turn some of those things down. There, there's some things that it's good to receive." there's some things that you're better off if you don't receive. You know, in the airport, you, you when you walk in, you start hearing this, they play it over and over and over, you know, don't don't take anything anybody gives you. There are people in jail today because they received something that somebody gave them and it turned out to be something different than what they thought it was. You know, it could be something illegal. So, so you ought to be careful. And uh, I, I want to I want to take you to our example in all things, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And I want to read from Matthew chapter 27 for my text, verses 33 and 34. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, in the Latin that's Calvary, which means the place of a skull, they offered him wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he tasted it, he refused to to drink it. Actually, for the setting of this today, I want to take you back to Calvary. I, I love to talk about the cross. I love to think about the cross. Those of you who have been to Encounters know that uh, the pivotal session of the whole weekend is a session that we do on the cross. We do that on Saturday mornings. Powerful. As we look at the death of Jesus and what he suffered so that you and I could have the joy of sins forgiven. The the beating that he endured in Pilate's judgment hall. Those of you who have seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson did a great job on uh, making that really come to life and giving you an understanding of some of what Jesus went through when he was on the way to Calvary. Those Roman soldiers beat him mercilessly. Uh, 39 stripes on his back, and those whips that they used not only uh, whelped when they hit, but then there were other uh, whips that they used that literally tore the flesh and ripped it apart. One of the prophetic writers from the past looking into by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the death of Jesus, said that it looked like they had plowed his back. In other words, it looked like a, looked like a piece of farmland that a, a tractor had gone through with a plow deep in the ground that's made furrows. They just ripped his back open. Some historians say that when those whips wrapped around his body and tore the flesh from his abdomen, that his intestines were literally exposed. The beating that Jesus took in Pilate's judgment hall was horrendous. It was mercilessly uh, administered. And, and many a man died under a Roman scourging. Let you know how strong Jesus was as a physical man on this earth. Don't ever get the idea that Jesus was a little nanby panby sort of a, a weak, um, uh, lip wristed guy. That's not the way he was at all. Jesus was a man. He was a man's man. He was the God-man that came here to give his life for you and me. And then after that horrible beating, other things went on. And, and before that, other things had gone on. They, they slapped him, Roman soldiers did, and spat upon him. One of the most humiliating, degrading things in the world. You know, sometimes it's hard for me to even comprehend how Human beings can do some of the things that they do to other human beings. Can you imagine grown men here, soldiers, men, men, big men walking by one after the other and just spitting in the face of Jesus until he was covered with spittle. And spittle mingled with blood as it as it flowed down from... His brow where the crown of thorns had been placed. And by the way, when they put that crown of thorns on his head, they took reeds, sticks, big sticks, and they beat those on his head to cause the thorns to go down into the skin and hit his skull and come back out and literally sewing it to the top of his head. And blood coming from that they grabbed his beard by the hands full and jerked it out until they didn't leave anything but a bloody stubble of a chin and all that spittle is being mingled with all of that and running down his face and horrible then they blindfolded him and these same soldiers would walk by and hit him with their fist and pummel him with their and then they would say prophesy who who was it that hit you uh, Jesus, tell us who, who did this. And they, they beat, his, beat him until Isaiah said his visage was marred more than any man. He was unrecognizable. His face swelling to, to the point of being twice its normal size and, and awful. The crown of thorns, the, the beating, the reed, and, and, and then the cross. And you know the cross. Crucifixion is something that uh, history says the Phoenicians were the first to use it as capital punishment. They executed people by hanging them on a tree and let them die. When the Romans were conquering the world and they overcame the Phoenicians, they studied their methods of execution and, and there were sadistic men that just they prided themselves in coming up with ways to make a human suffer and to exact the most pain possible before they passed out or before they died. And so they studied crucifixion and they found out how they could make it more difficult for the person and make them suffer more until the point of death. And so they didn't just hang them on a tree like the Phoenicians did. They nailed them with their hands spread out. And their feet, they, they, they bent their feet and legs and, and drove the nails through so that their feet and legs were bent. The reason for that is when you're hanging on a cross and your body begins to weaken, the body begins to sag... And as it sags and your hands are up, the further down it goes, eventually you reach a point where your lungs are locked. They can't breathe. And the only way you can breathe is to—and you have to push yourself up. So the person being crucified, with all the energy they could possibly muster, they would push themselves back up on the cross until they could get a breath of air again. That went on with Jesus for about three hours on the cross— Can you imagine on that old rugged cross with that back beaten like it was and ripped and torn and his back going up and down on that old rugged cross, splinters and it was awful. As I said, they had studied to exact the very most pain possible. And it was during this time of this sagging and and trying to get enough energy to get another breath that a soldier came with some vinegar as it's called in the Old King James it was literally a, a form of wine and it was mixed with gall and they he he got that up to Jesus He he probably hoisted it up with some sort of Stick or rod or plank or something. He got a and, and, and they, it had, it was a rag that was soaked in this wine and gall and and it was an act of mercy, believe it or not. It seems sort of paradoxical when when you're hanging somebody and trying to make them suffer as much as you possibly can, but at least one of those soldiers had a little bit of mercy, enough to to dip that rag in that in that uh, mixture and hoisted it up to Jesus so he could drink it literally that it was so saturated you could you could suck in and get you could drink from it and and that's what they did but my text said that Jesus refused it let's see if we can discover why first of all let's define this drink this vinegar mixed with gall Vinegar, the word that's used here is literally from the Greek. It's oxus, which is a sour wine. It's a type of wine. It's it's an intoxicating beverage. The gall that it talks about being mixed with was a narcotic that was made from plants. It was very bitter to the taste, but it was also intoxicating. It had an intoxicating effect. So, the reason why the drink was given, as I said a while ago, was an act of mercy from some soldier. What his, his idea was, the, the thought was that I'll, I'll, give him, I'll give him a little something here that will at least benumb some of the pain for a few minutes anyway. So then why... Did Jesus refuse it? Let me give you some reasons why he refused it. Number one, Jesus was determined when he died on the cross to endure all the suffering without mitigation. He'd meet with the suffering and the sorrow of the cross with all the powers of his mind and body undarkened. He would have his senses and his self consciousness unimpaired as he hung there for us. Now remember this. Nobody took the life of Jesus from him. He gave his life willingly. He gave his life. He he had a choice. Did did you know that Jesus did not have to die on the cross? Some people never thought of that. He did not have to die on the cross. In fact, remember what he said in the Garden of Gethsemane when, when the soldiers came to get him? Simon Peter whipped out his sword and started swinging. In fact, he sliced off the ear of the servant of the high priest. He said, I'll take the whole gang on. Come on. Jesus said, Peter, put up, put up your sword. Don't you know that I could presently, right now, immediately call for 12 legions of angels and God would send them to me immediately. There's no song you might remember. He could have called 10,000 angels. Any of you ever remember that song? It's a good song, but the number's way off base. Twelve legions of angels is 72,000 angels, not 10,000, 72,000 warring angels were standing at, at the cusp of heaven ready to swoop down at a moment's notice and wipe out all of those Roman soldiers and set Jesus free. He did not have to die on the cross He chose to die on the cross. And here's why. While Jesus did not have to die on the cross, he had to make a decision. Because if he does not die on the cross, then he cannot save you and me. If he dies on the cross, He can save you and me. Folks, the decision that Jesus made in our behalf, you're talking about love. When John said God is love, folks, that is love he loved you enough to choose you over himself. He chose your salvation over his suffering. He chose your eternal life over his momentary death. He chose you and his love for you was greater than his love for his own comfort. And so he resisted the 12 legions of angels and he also resisted the narcotic that could have benumbed his pain for a few moments. Oh, folks, let me tell you, let me tell you, he, he, he could have saved his own life, but if he'd have saved his own life, he couldn't have saved Beth and Haley and Tony and, and uh, he couldn't have saved the Hensons and the Georges and, 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 and all of you and he couldn't have saved me if he just saved his own life, but he loved us more. Are you grateful for the love of God this morning? Oh, what love our Lord Jesus had for us. Oh, what love he demonstrated for us. And so the first reason he was determined to endure the suffering of the cross To make sure that every I was dotted and every T was crossed. And he fulfilled the prophecies of God's word to the letter. Secondly, he didn't take, he refused the narcotics offered him because he would not violate the scripture. Even in his suffering, he would not violate the scripture concerning alcoholic beverage. Look at Proverbs chapter 23. I know I'm walking into some controversial territory right here, but that's okay. The Word of God is pretty clear. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 29 to 34. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness and dimness of eyes? those who tarry long at the wine, those who go to seek and try mixed wine, do not look at wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the wine glass, when it goes down smoothly. You you know what that's saying? Don't fool with it when it's fermented. It's exactly what it's saying. At the last, here's what happens to people who violate this. At the last... It bites like a serpent and it stings like an adder. Under the influence of wine, your eyes will behold strange things and loose women, and your mind will utter things turned the wrong way, untrue, incorrect, and petulant. Yes, you will be as unsteady as he who lies down in the midst of the sea and as open to disaster as he who lies upon the top of a mast. That's talking about a a big sailing ship and Somebody climbs up to the top of the, of the sails and, and in that little place up there where they hook everything up, you try to lie down on that and take a nap and, and you're being tossed in the sea. You, you're going to fall, folks. I mean, you're headed for disaster. And that, that's what he's saying here. You, you will say they struck me, but I was not hurt. They beat me as with a hammer, but I didn't feel it. When shall I awake, I will crave and seek more wine again and escape reality. That's what the scripture says about strong drink. I know there's some people say, well, preacher, I can, I can handle it. I can, I can drink moderately. And, and uh, you know, the problem with that is that we don't know whether we can or not. Uh, scientific research has shown us that there's some people who have a propensity towards the addiction, and they never know, but when they take the first drink, they've had it. They're going to be drawn right in, and, and, and they've they become addicted. My, I know what alcohol can do. The first 40 years of my daddy's life was spent as an alcoholic. And it destroyed 40 years. He lived 40 years on planet earth with nothing to show for it but a record in the Atlanta penitentiary. Lost everything. Had nothing to show for it. But thank God at 40 years of age he got saved and God set him free and delivered him from alcohol and all the rest of his addictions three packs of Lucky Strike cigarettes a day, a gambling habit, a womanizing habit, all of those things, God cleaned him up from that, set him free, and he spent the last 40 years of his life living for God as strong as he lived for the devil for the first 40 years. Amen. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of the cross. That's why Jesus suffered what he suffered, so he could make that kind of change in people's lives. But don't 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 fool without And I don't want to I don't want to just run down this rabbit trail. But I could preach for the next hour, and, and talk to you about that. And reasons why you should just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. It's a bad testimony for your kids. Younger kids sees beer in your refrigerator, and they've come up with this idea. And this is their argument a lot of times. And I've had them argue this with me. I can smoke a joint. and It's no worse than my daddy's beer in the refrigerator. Well, that's that argument hadn't been settled yet the fact is that while marijuana is probably does no more damage to you initially than a than a Budweiser or something else that that may be in your refrigerator the fact is that it is an introductory drug and many 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 times it leads to other things as well but so does alcohol most people don't start drinking by going down to the liquor store and buying a fifth of whiskey and just turning the whole thing up and drinking it down most of them start like kids do with drugs on something a little smaller and, they, and it leads up to it as, as it gets its tentacles in you. And listen, let's just be reasonable about this thing and say we're blessed to live in America where we got plenty of clean things we can drink, you can go to the store and buy a bottle of water and and you can read on it and the, the sucker's filtered and and uh, and run through all kind of stuff and it comes out of a spring in the mountains and and um, they 'll tell you all kind of stuff about that water to get you to buy it. but but we we can drink we got clean stuff we can drink here it 's not don't don 't hand me this thing about you can 't get anything else to drink, sure you can and 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 drinking. Alcohol gets pretty expensive too. I know people that get addicted to the point that they'll they'll pick up a couple um, cartons on the way home and sit and drink uh, 8, 10, 12 beers before they finally kind of conk out in the evening. And, and, and they'll tell you, oh, they're okay, they're okay, sure they're okay. And they're just throwing money away. You might as well take your dollar bill out and strike a match to it and just burn it up. Uh, as to do something like that. And, and it's, uh, it it numbs the brain. And <clears throat> I had a psychiatrist tell me, and this was not a religious experiment. This was a scientific researched experiment. And they've proven now that the alcohol in the minutest form um, in in animals that they've researched it with affects their liver immediately, and I've had people tell me, preacher, don't you realize that a glass of wine a day is good for my heart? Well, sure it is. Drink it so you won't have any heart problems and die with liver cirrhosis. of liver, Would you? Here's here's the thing that that defeats that argument. You can buy any look on look on the jar. I mean, on the container to see where it's from. Welch's, if it's Concord grape juice, will do the same thing for your heart that a glass of wine will do. Exactly the same thing. And it won't damage your liver. Duh. I mean, my goodness. I'm going to go buy some stock in Welch's now. Uh, seriously, folks, it, 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 it's, it's just so unnecessary. There's some things I just can't even understand why people want to even argue about and fool with. I mean, it's it, so. And Jesus is not about to, as our example, give even the slightest loophole where somebody might look at him and say, well, it must be okay. What he said in Proverbs is not really true. No, 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 no. Not our Lord Jesus. He left us an example and And thirdly, not only would he not violate the scripture, and not only was he determined to fulfill the prophecies concerning his death, but thirdly he's, he left us an example with a spiritual application and I want you to get this spiritual application if you miss everything else I said today, understand this let let 's look at this with when you 're hurting and and when your your life seems upside down and and, and it feels like you're under a weight that's unbearable, the world will come to you with some vinegar mixed with gall, And they'll say, try this, it will dull your pain. Try this, it will ease your pain. And people fall for it. People fall for it. Let me give you some examples. I just mentioned alcohol. That's one. Drugs, drugs, painkillers obviously painkillers is to kill pain. And so the enemy says, come on, try this. It'll make you feel better. And it makes you feel better. It does for a little while. But if you continue to and I see so many people that get hooked on prescription medications because they learn how to work the system. Get a prescription from this doctor and a prescription from that doctor and go to this drug store and go to that drug store. And we, we deal with it in counseling right here in this church body. I'm telling you, there are people who have these kind of problems. And I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to condemn and put you down. I'm trying to say this morning that it is a poor substitute for what Jesus wants to do for you. He wants to heal that pain. He suffered so he could heal that pain. He suffered so he could deliver you from that addiction. He suffered. He went through all of that that we talked about a while ago so he could give you victory and bring you forth to another level of freedom in him. We ought to go for that. Praise God. Some people fall for this one, especially if they're hurting in their marriage. The enemy will say, why don't you have an affair? And, and people will gravitate to unhealthy relationships with people outside of their marriage, and they think that's going to help. And folks, it doesn't. All it does is compound the problem. It compounds the problem. Oh, the devil makes it look so good. And it it will numb your pain for a moment. But remember, the pleasures of sin only last for a season. And there's a reaping at the end of what you sow. Thirdly, he'll come to you with self-pity. If he can't get you in any of these other ways, he'll get you to sit down and just feel sorry for yourself. You'll feel so sorry for yourself that you'll think that nobody's ever hurt like you're hurting. Nobody's ever suffered like you've suffered. <laughs> I, had a, I had a couple of first church that we pastored, elderly, they were way on up in their 80s. And, and um, his name was John. And I, I was over visiting him one day and, and John said to me, he talked kind of funny. He said, preacher, he said, I don't believe you ought to take all that medicine like Eva my wife does said she just takes all kind of medicine said I I just don't believe you ought to take all that old medicine unless you just have to do you and Eva heard him from the other room she hollered she said "Oh, shut up John said you take as much medicine as I do he said yeah bless God I have to (laughs) it was okay for John but it wasn't okay for Eva You've seen people like that, haven't you we We had a couple went on Crawford Avenue, another elderly couple and and um she had had surgery and the day she got home from the hospital, having had major surgery, he thought because she's home from the hospital, he fussed at her, said, "Get up there, woman, and cook my supper." He wanted her to go in the kitchen and cook a meal he said she said "I can't he said i'm hurting he said." They wouldn't have sent you home from the hospital if you weren't better. Get up Mir. here. Get with it. You're not going to lay around here. He was, he was fussing at her. About two years later, he had surgery. <laughs> I made it a point when he got home from the hospital because I remember how he treated his wife. I went over to see him. <laughs> and I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm not feeling so well. I said, you're just getting lazy. I said, get up in there. Your yard needs mowing. He said, preacher, I can't. I said, you wanted your wife to cook dinner when she got home from the hospital. Bless Pat. Get out there and mow your yard. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And his answer to me was, preacher, nobody's ever suffered like I'm suffering. You know the difference between major surgery and minor surgery, don't you? Major surgery is when it's you. (laughs) But the enemy will get you to thinking that you're hurting worse than... And again, I'm not trying to minimize because I know some of you are going through some tough stuff right now. But I want you to know you're not the only one. And don't buy... The the medication of the enemy to ease your pain for the moment, hang in there. God's got a better idea. Here, here's, here's one more that the enemy will get you with if you're not careful. He'll get you to buy into bitterness. comes from unforgiveness. Somebody did you wrong. Somebody hurt your feelings. Somebody took advantage of you. Somebody... And, and you're hurting from that. And I know the pain's real, but if you're not careful, you, you'll harbor that unforgiveness and a root of bitterness will spring up in your heart. And I wanna tell you, folks, that's a dangerous thing to happen to you. Let, let me show you. let me show you the path of bitterness. Look at Romans chapter 3, verses 14, 16, and 17. They're putting it, it's on the screen right now. Look at this. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Look at this. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. Do you see what the Apostle Paul says about allowing bitterness to spring up in your heart and in your life? You're not going to have any peace, guarantee you that. If you've got bitterness in your life, you do not have peace. The two are not compatible. You can't have the peace of God and bitterness in your heart all at the same time. You can't do it. You can't do it. Not only that, he said, You keep going. You keep keep acting out on that bitterness and destruction and uh, misery are in your pathway. The most miserable people I know are people who are bitter. And I see folks sometimes who grow old and bitter at the whole world. That root of bitterness has, has just consumed their lives until everything in life is they're grouchy and old. I probably told you this before, but I told my wife sometimes, because we, we see the drast, drastic difference. Some, some people get old and they're just so sweet dispositioned. <laughs> and some people get old and they're so grouchy and contrary. And I said to my wife one day, I said, you know, when I get old, I want to have a sweet spirit like, and I named somebody. And she said, you probably ought to start working on that now. She said, that doesn't just happen to you when you get old. (laughs) It's something that develops throughout your lifetime. And that's true. It does. You don't just one day wake up old and you're either grouchy or you're sweet in your disposition. It develops in you. And if you allow bitterness into your life, unforgiveness will cause that. Yeah, you can hold that grudge and and, and you you can do whatever you want to with that. And, and, and it'll numb your pain for a little bit every once in a while when somebody comes to mind and you can even pound them down and you can say some things about them you can put them down and you can you can spread the you can spread the the sickness and disease of that whole whatever it was that happened to you you can do that but it's going to hurt you in the end amen and then then finally there is revenge there's another thing that the devil puts on that stick up there and said take some of this it'll make you feel better you can get even. You'll have your opportunity. Yeah, it'll numb your pain a while. It feels good sometimes to the flesh to hate somebody. It feels good if you get a shot at them to get even with them. You did this to me. Watch this. I'll do this to you. Yeah, that 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 may feel good to the flesh. But let me tell you, that's not what Jesus was interested in. When he was hanging on the cross, suffering that unexplainable and unimaginable pain. He wasn't looking down there and saying, boy, I'm going to get even with those soldiers. You uh, you guys had hit me a while ago in Pilate's judgment all, I'm, I'm going to get it. That wasn't what he was after at all. Listen, he wasn't after getting in fact, he even prayed that God would forgive them so they don't even know what they're doing. What Jesus was interested in and this is what you and I should be interested in. He was interested in defeating the devil. Amen. Winning victory over the devil. And if you're in one of those uh, situations today, it's not a good situation. It may be the toughest thing you've gone through in your life. Don't let yourself be consumed with how you're going to get even or, or what you're going to do. Get, get all of that stuff out of your life and make up your mind. Bless God, I may be in a mess right now and the devil may have pulled one over me, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I'm coming out on top of this thing because I'm going to declare Jesus Lord and Satan is going to be put under my feet. Glory to God. Somebody give the Lord praise in the house today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to hurry on. Here's what Paul said about revenge. Paul said in Romans 12, 19 to 21, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, look at this. Boy, this is, this is an interesting concept. And you only find this in Christianity. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, not your friend, your enemy. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Look at this last line. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't let evil overcome you, but you overcome it with good. Make up your mind, I'm going to be better than I've ever been. I'm going to serve God harder than I've ever served him. I'm going to worship the Lord more intensely than I've ever worshiped him. I'm I'm going after God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do good. Do good. Do good. (laughs) Do good. Uh, That line that says he calls a fire on their head, that's uh, another whole situation that that doesn't mean much in our culture, but it, it was a good thing. It's like a blessing on them. It's not raining fire of judgment down on them. Actually, they used to when they traveled in the cold nighttime they they would they would wrap some coals in a in a headdress and put it on and, and it would help keep them warm. It was and and he said you you'll heap in other words you'll warm their spirit you'll you'll break that coldness off of them. I, I heard about one lady they asked me, said she was having a hard time with her husband said uh, have have you tried what the scripture said about doing good and re, and bringing you know coals of fire on his head she said no but I poured some scalding water on him. That's, that's not what the scripture is saying here. Don't, don't go home and pour scald and water. That, that's, that's not it. It's a different thing altogether. We use good to overcome evil because good triumphs. Read the back of the book. We win out in the end. Glory to God. Good is going to prevail. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's going to prevail. Stand with us if you will, please. We're going to. Take time to pray. I'm going to ask the prayer team leaders, and those that help us with that, board members, staff members, those of you that small group leaders, come and help us. I don't know what you're going through today, but I do know that in this congregation there's some needs, some I know about, many I probably don't know about. But I do know where to point you this morning. I want to point you to the example of Jesus. There are some of you standing here today, and what you need to start the process of bringing peace into your situation and peace into your life and victory into your situation. What you need to do is what Jesus did with that wine mingled with gall, he spit it out. He, he just refused it. What should you do with self-pity? Spit it out. What should you do with bitterness? Just spit it out. What should you do with revenge? Just just spit it out. This, this morning would be a wonderful time to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I've just decided, I've made a quality decision today I believe that your way is better than the way of the world. And I'm going to do it your way. I'm not going to allow a root of bitterness in my heart. I don't care how mistreated I've been. Don't care who's stolen from me, what they've taken, what they've done, what they've... I don't care how they've stepped on me, how they've abused me, mistreated me, and talked about me, lied on me, or anything else. I am not, I am not going to give in I'm not I'm not going to take the narcotic of the world because it only numbs for a while. I'm going to I'm going to spit that out. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm just going to come to you this morning Lord and release this situation to you and I'm going to say here it is. Here it is. Here it is. I refuse. I refuse to accept the other. The altar's open. If you're unsaved, come give your heart to Jesus today. Be the greatest decision you ever made in your life. If you're away from God, come on home. He's waiting for you with open arms. Folks, I can't explain to you how much God loves you. I can only tell you this. Jesus did what he did at the cross for you. And if you had been the only one who needed him, he would have died for just you because he did die for you. Amen? So why don't you come and give him your life today? Those of you that are dealing with some tough situations in life right now, don't be ashamed. Good night. We're the family of God, and we all go through stuff. You, you, you live long enough, you're going to fight some battles. You live long enough, you're going to deal with some devils. You live long enough, somebody's going to hurt your feelings. You live long enough, somebody's going to take advantage of you and do you wrong. It's your response to that that can make the difference. And you may have been carrying this hurt for years. This would be a good morning to just get rid of it. Just bring it to the Lord. Just bring it to the Lord. The altar's open. Some are already coming. You, just, just come on. Come this way. If you want somebody to pray with you and for you, we got people to do that. If you want to just find a place, just you and God, talk to the Lord about it. God bless you as you pray.